If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. You emailed a couple of days ago and said, let's talk about the seven deadly sins and their accompanying seven holy virtues. And you provided me some links and so I could like go in and, you know, read up on a little bit on it and refresh my memory. And it's a good thing you did because I could not have named them <laughs> all right. at all. Uh, maybe, in fact, uh, maybe I could have come up with pride and envy or something. I'm curious, have you ever in your Protestant life ever heard a sermon or teaching or anything about these lists, seven deadly sins? Absolutely not. Interesting. In fact, I have probably never heard, I, I don't ever remember hearing a sermon about pride or envy or, or any, any wrath or anything like that, right? I have heard sermons about not committing sins, but, but those are a list of actions rather than, right. than you know, so like I, if I was making up the list, I would have said rather than wrath, I would have said murder. Mm. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Um, Let's let make let remind me of that when we get okay. into this because I, there's that I think that's interesting, that's super interesting. So just remind remind right. me when we get uh, somewhere okay. into this right. thing to come back to that. All right, I did think it would be fun to come up with my own list of seven deadly sins. So okay, <laughs> yeah. so these are uh, these are my list of seven deadly sins. Uh, the first one is forming the letter M by touching your bottom lip to your top teeth. Instead of touching your lips together to say M, it's more of an M. It, you're, um, okay. I see people do it all the time. They're smiling really big, and then the M doesn't, the, the, their, bottom, their lips don't touch to create the M. Okay. Okay. All right. Nah. It really bothers me. Okay. Okay. So, like, don't do it. Okay. Okay. This is um, your problem then. Okay. Right. Go. Well, yeah, the, all, these all are. Oh, this, this is just me. <laughs> this is just how to push Ed's buttons. Exactly. The list of Ed's seven buttons. Yeah, Ed's seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, number two. Getting up to the speaker at McDonald's drive-thru and then having no idea what you're going to order. Right. And saying, um, like I'm just, at that point, I'm almost to the point where I'm going to ram. I'm almost, you know, the person ahead of me. I, 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 when I was in high school, I worked in a pizza place and people would call and I'd say, you know, name of the place, welcome, what do you want? And it's like, um, uh, we want a pizza. And I'm like, what kind of pizza? Um, just a minute, just a minute. And they asked people, what kind yeah. of pizza? Why yeah. wouldn't you even do this before you call me? <laughs> right. Anyway. Exactly. Okay. Number three, being asked by a store clerk, if you'd like to open a charge account when there's a big line behind you and you say yes. <laughs> right. And then I have to stand there while they, while they run through the entire pitch <laughs> and the whole punching the buttons on the computer and okay. Number four, harmonizing at the end of happy birthday. When they get to the happy at the end birthday to you and everybody, everybody oh, harmonizes and, and they, and they, uh, they pick all their notes like a choir and it's, <laughs> it's, it's uniformly horrible. Okay. <laughs> Number five, mixing up the words Calvary and cavalry. Yes, that is super annoying. Don't annoying. do that. Okay. You know who you are. This one is from my wife. <laughs> 
pronouncing the word jewelry as jewelry. It it makes her crazy. I just I do it just to just to bother her. <laughs> and um, number seven, uh, doing forty eight on a two lane blacktop. Don't do forty eight miles an hour on a two lane. That's the the speed limit is always fifty five. And if I'm behind you and you're going, for, there's no reason to go forty eight. You're that guy. A, I am. I'm that guy that's that's peeking back and forth, peeking back and forth from on your left fender, left rear fender, like you know. When I'm color touring, you're the guy that ruins my color touring. Exactly. Involved. Except when I drive down Lakeshore Drive on my way up to Grand Haven, I want to go slow and enjoy. And then... And then there's a guy like you behind me. And then, so the number eight on this list would be the guy who wants to do 57 or 58, <laughs> and he's behind me. <laughs> okay. Because the proper speed is the speed I'm going, and that's... Right? Okay, so before we lose any more listener, right. let's get so, to the okay. seven deadly sins. So, the, but the seven deadly sins, okay. The seven, so, those are the sins. It's Ed's Those seven. are sad, yeah. Okay. Write in and send me your own. Um, <laughs> uh, so as a Protestant, though, we, yeah. we, never, we never listed them out. Right. I, we didn't beat ourselves up over this list. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, it, sure, pride and envy were bad, and, and everybody knew that, you know, and all the rest, whatever, but we didn't dwell on the list. There was no talk of bad and worse sins, just right. sin in general, and grace covering it all. Right. And the Holy Spirit, sure, will work these things out of me at his own pace, but we were covered by grace, so what's the big deal? Right. Right? That's That's... Correct. I've, I've, it, 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 they do not. I mean, Protestants don't uh, have these lists. They don't have the list of the sins. They they agree. Every Protestant I know would agree. If I said, "Hey, do you think pride is bad? Is envy bad? Is whatever?" They would say, "Absolutely." But you never teach these lists because you never identify these kinds of specifics or any kind of gradations. So Protestantism, generally from the time of Luther and Calvin, right, operated under the assumption that all sin, the, the, well, the verse, all sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God, right. all sin separates us from right. God. So in a sense, it's like, well, you know, I told the boss I had car trouble when I really slept through uh, right. my alarm. And so, you know, that's a sin, which it right. is. It's a lie. Right. Uh, but, you know, whether it was that or shooting up the you know mall or whatever it's all sin it's all the same thing right. and the more important thing is that jesus covers all of it and, and but within the protestant traditions whether it's evangelical lutheran or whatever calvin calvinism where i came from th this was really a thing that calvinism teaches something called total depravity you know we're yep. completely depraved replete, completely sunk in sin and so to make the point that some are worse or than others is pointless because we're all completely depraved anyway. Right. So what you end up with is, and I remember this, this was kind of the spirituality, which is I'm a sinner. I'm just a miserable sinner. And, and we were really serious about that. And I really need Jesus because I'm such a miserable sinner. But then you'd say, well, how are you a sinner? Why are you a sinner? What sins? It doesn't matter. I'm just, a, I'm just really bad. And I don't know, I don't want to spend too much time on it now, but what you end up doing is getting to this place where, I mean, even just from an emotional standpoint, it puts you into this kind of hopeless state. Right. Where yeah. you, you just feel broken. And, and in a lot of times, we should be feel broken before God. How many times have you heard that? 
in sure. the evangelical church. You just need to feel broken before God. You need to go out in the woods and feel broken. Just a before, couple of months ago. Yeah, you got to feel broken before God. And then, you know, then just call right. out to Jesus and you go, okay, right. But let's get a little bit more specific. What specifically is broken in my life? Right. In which ways is it broken right. in my life? Because if I have any hope of, of, of growing past this, identifying these things so that I can work on them and grow past them or, right. or improve in those areas, I have to identify them. But see, again, once, the, once again, the sort of Calvinist, heavily, the evangelical, heavily influenced by Calvinism says it doesn't matter. Just feel broken before right. God and then Jesus covers you. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, that tells you nothing about what is on the other side of that. After I accept Jesus, then how do I grow? How do I... Which is, which is why I never paid any attention to a list like that, because it wasn't... At least I would hear sermons on the Ten Commandments, but those, that's a list of actions, mostly. You know, don't covet, okay. But I never got as far up the, uh, the sin food chain as envy or whatever, because I was always worried about the yeah. things that I was doing. So I take a look at the Catholics and I think my, my perspective was always, oh, they just take this so far. They're just, you know. Well, right. I mean, so the Protestants rejected these medieval lists because they thought it was legalistic. Mm -hmm. So let's get into what these specifically are, where they came from and so sure. on. So yeah. I, yeah, that's what I would love to know is how did we end up with these? Okay. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023, with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation. These kinds of lists of, we'll get to the words whether they're dead, how were the deadly came from. Right. The lists of great sins or sin lists like this uh, was around the year 200 AD. Uh, there was a Christian writer named Tertullian mm -hmm. uh, in Carthage and one of the church fathers, and he developed a list. I think it was eight or ten of these things, and they include much of what they are today. But he was identifying these are the great things that we must work through or the things that pull us down or the, right. sins, that, the sins that pull us. And, you know, you and I were talking before you started. So often Protestants will say, well, there's no lists like this. But if there, of course there are. The Bible's full of all kinds of lists like this. Lists of the fruits of the Spirit. Sure. Right? Yep. Paul makes lists in Romans 1 of all the ways we fall short of God and right. the things we do. Right? There's a, there's a ton of lists in the New Testament of, you know, fruits of the Spirit, virtues, uh, 
kinds of sins, ways people have fallen short of God. But Tertullian around the year 200 starts saying, hey, if we want to get serious about the spiritual life and and really thoughtful about the kinds of things in us that separate us from God and get real serious about addressing those in our life, here are, you know, I think it was eight or 10 major ones. Right. And then various other of the church fathers, you know, weighed in on these kinds of things. Where this really got going was around the year 400, a monk named Evagrius Ponticus, and he produces this 100-chapter work called Practicos, basically practice, the practical things Mm -hmm. that we have to do in the Christian life to help us become more holy. And if we want to become more holy, we want to grow in grace and fellowship and friendship with God, then we have to take seriously the things that are in us and apply ourselves to those. And so in that list, he develops these eight things that had been floating around, gets very specific with them, writes about them. And then the list as we know it today gets refined one more time around the year 600 by Pope Gregory the Great, who takes a lot of these lists that Tertullian and Ponticus and all these other writers are taken and sort of crystallizes them into seven, okay? And it's the seven that we know today. Okay. Now, in Latin, the Latin of the church. So this, this list of the seven has been around since the year 600. So okay. 1,400 years. Ian, its roots go back several hundred years prior to that. And in Latin, they're not called the deadly sins. They're called the capital sins, the seven capital sins. And at the beginning, I said, you want to come back to that thing when you talked about uh, anger versus murder. Right. So here's why they're called the capital sins. It's because they're at the top. Everything comes, flows down from them. Okay. So if you were to think of like a pyramid and the capital or the top, the stone at the top, right, from which everything flows down, these are the sins that are upstream. And a lot of the sinful actions that we take are the downstream results of these sins taking root in our hearts. So when you said earlier, in my heart, the downstream right. action might be me murdering somebody. Can I interrupt with a question here? Yeah. Does God consider it a sin to be wrathful, or, or do you have to act on the wrath for it to be a sin? Good question. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to get to Thomas Aquinas, because he really okay. unpacks these, and I really want to talk about, because he's going to set the tone for what we're going to talk about the next seven episodes. But Aquinas says, look, there are, in certain instances, you may say, and he uses the example of anger or wrath. He said, somebody might be, uh, have a righteous anger. You know, if I see an injustice taking place, a proper response might be for me angry about that right. in a righteous way, in a good way. Right. But their anger can take root in me and send me off to do bad actions. Right. You know, in, when we go into the confessional and Catholicism, And if I come in and say, I feel slothful, or I want to confess pride, what the priest is going to ask you is, okay, so how did that manifest itself? The misunderstanding here is that the list of the seven deadly or the seven capital sins are not specific actions. They are the sinful attitudes, the sinful things that take root in our heart, the sinful fruits of the flesh, yep. 
from which spring these things. You know, okay. when Paul talks, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, and so forth. Right. So in the same way that peace, love, joy are right. fruits of the Spirit, from which then come, because I am peaceful, because I am joyful, right? right? right. I therefore do things right. that contribute to peace and joy and love right. in others, right? right? And in the same way, fruits of the flesh or fruits of sin, these kinds of things, pride, sloth, anger, envy, all the things we're going to talk about, are like those, the negative sides of those things okay. that are in our hearts. They, they then give birth to actions. So this is why they're important, because I can go into the confessional and I can confess sinful action, sinful action, sinful action, sinful action. But if all I do is do that, I'm playing whack-a-mole. Remember the arcade game whack-a-mole? Right. I'm playing whack-a-mole with all the bad things that I do, but I never go upstream to ask, what is it that drives me to do these things? Right. I can go to confession every day and say to the priest today, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And I can confess those sins and I can gain absolution, but I'll come back tomorrow until I begin to address the, the root of it, the yeah. roots of that in my heart and in my life. And that's what these seven capitals, so why they're called the capital sins, okay. because they are the sinful, they are the sources, the, yeah. the, the, the springs, the, what, right. what, like the, the headwaters, the, the headwaters the, yeah. yeah, if you would. So you imagine them, everything flowing down sure. from those. And, and that's where these lists came from. And that's what they, how they were intended. They were not intended to be a list of, you know, your joking list at the front, you know, uh, you know, don't make a left turn on, a, right, you know, right, whatever, right. whatever light. They're, they're not meant to be a list of actions. They're meant to be a list of the seven capital things in our lives right. that drive us to these actions. Right. And the point of them was always, in a way, pastorally to help us to grow in faith and love and holiness. Because if every day you wake up and say, I did this again, and I did this again, and I did this again, and why do I keep doing these things? And right. Until we become self-aware that pride or envy or wrath or right. sloth or whatever it is has is rooted in my heart, and I take that real seriously, I'll just play, keep playing whack-a-mole with the downstream actions. Well, Jesus said that, you know, if you, um, you've heard it said, correct me if I'm not misremembering this, you know, you, not to murder your brother, but if you're angry with him, you're already halfway there. It's, he was right. addressing the same things. Right. Well, right, so let's take, well, we're going to get into the seven, and we'll do episodes about one of each of them. But let's let's then talk about the seven virtues that counterpose them. Okay. Okay. So Thomas Aquinas, the great medieval theologian, Summa Theologica, St. Thomas Aquinas, we call the angelic doctor because his thinking and his philosophy was, you know, so elevated. Thomas Aquinas talks about them this way. He says, look, here's these seven capital sins, and they have a gravity to them, if you would. In other words, we're, we're drawn to them. They, 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 they take root in us. You know, if you think of something that just keeps pulling you, right? Or another analogy or metaphor would be like a poison. So if I take a poison or I eat something that's toxic or drink something and I have a toxin in me, you know, right. then I need an antidote, something that 
Okay, sure. Right? That so, you know, whether it's something like, hey, I got a bee sting or I ate peanuts right. and I have a peanut allergy and now I have to take whatever it is that counteracts that. Or if you think of it as kind of this um, thing that has this weight, this gravity, this pull, you know, like a magnet that right. I'm drawn to and I have to sort of try to get away from that uh, to the other thing. Or think about it this way, that I have a house and I'm like a, a, like a hoarder. I have rooms in my house full of all this junk. And I have to clean that junk out and fill it with good things mm -hmm. so the junk doesn't reaccumulate. You with me? Yep. So what Thomas Aquinas did was he counterposed these two things. He said, here's the list of the seven capital sins. Those are like the, the toxins or the poles right. or the clutter in certain rooms of your house. And then he counterposed those to seven positive virtues. So each of the, the sins has a virtue. So let's take the first one. He says pride, and we'll get in, we're going to do mm -hmm. an episode on each of these. Pride, which is the first and greatest, it's the reason Satan fell. Because Satan felt pride, he right. then rebelled. That's the upstream, downstream. Right. 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 So the act of rebelling against God was a sinful action, but it was rooted in the sin of pride in Satan. Right. 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 So what Thomas Aquinas says is you look at pride as the sin, the corresponding virtue, which is its antidote, would be humility. Okay. Yep. So this is where this becomes pastoral or it becomes, or it becomes something that we can use for self-improvement. So let's go back to the analogy of the house. And I've got a part of my house that's full of all this junk, like, like, it, like my right. basement, right? right? And my basement's full of all this junk, clutter, yep. everything else. And I go... All right, what I need to do is I need to get that clutter out of there and I need to fill it with good things. So one of the ways to overcome pride in my life is to uproot uh, root it out yep. or think about cleaning out the flower sure. bed or something yep. like that and then planting or putting good things in there. Yep. So if pride is the thing that is the negative, right. I want to replace it with humility. Humility is the antidote. Humility right. is the thing that makes it clean. So one of the ways that I can approach that in my life is if I know what those negatives are, pride, for example, right. I can try to turn aside from that and lean into humility as its antidote. Yeah, you cultivate humility. Cultivate humility, right? So I try to ignore those, uh, recognize and ignore those, the pride in my heart and cultivate acts of humility. And in fact, just as you can do pr actions that spring from pride or come downstream from pride, if I fill my heart with humility, that will lead to actions that come from humility. And if I begin doing enough actions, this isn't about legalism. This isn't about earning your way to heaven. It's just a practical realization that right. like, look at my physical body. If I sit around and I, you know, watch Netflix all day and eat ice cream and pizza and right. get fat and everything else, part of it is I can f use my time going out and, you know, exercising and doing sure. positive things, which will have a positive effect on my life because I've replaced that negative with right. the positive. Sure. So for those who are listening and say, oh, this is Catholic legalism, just earn your way to heaven. Just that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about though is recognizing I have this pride, for example, in my life, which leads me to do sins that come from it. And now what I want right. to do is fill my heart with humility, pray for humility, cultivate humility in my life, which will then fill my time and, yep. and space around me with actions of humility. And over time, 
I become a better person. Yep. And that was the spirit of all of these things. The notion isn't that one by one by one, I'm going to somehow legalistically do this to this and earn my way to heaven. This is about recognizing those things in my life. That, yeah. That, uh, so, uh, so we've got this, these lists and, you know, you, I think I sent it to you. You can go down yeah. the seven here. I got it right in front of me. Oh, and let's talk about why they're called deadly, right? So, like I said, they're called the capital sins uh, in, in Latin and, um, and in the language of the church, Thomas Aquinas, Pope Gregory, whatnot. Uh, but we're popularly called the deadly sins because sin is deadly because it separates us from God, right? We talked about it in that in the episodes that we did on death and hell, right? right? Okay, yep. And judgment in the sense that when I turn to these things, if I turn to pride, envy, wrath, and those things ultimately lead to separation from God. Yep. They are mortal sins or they, they lead to mortal sins because yep. and they're ultimately deadly because they lead to spiritual death. Yep. Okay. This is great stuff. And I'm, I, I've never really thought hard about this, but the, but the, I'm going to start and the, uh, the, I'm going to, well, I'm going to start asking God to root these things out in me because it really is utterly practical. I mean, it's, I think that's just plain to see. Yeah, we um, uh, spiritual fitness. So once you run, I think you've got the list in front of you. Why don't we run down the list? Aquinas's, uh, Pope Gregory's, and Aquinas's list of the seven capital sins. Okay, pride. Pride comes yeah. first because yep. it is. So here's an important thing: there, there's an order to these. So they're listed one through seven, and this is the thing to know: they're listed one through seven in terms of seriousness. Right. And and, and I'm going to make a point about that here in a second. Pride is listed number one because it's the worst. Mm-hmm. And it goes down to number seven. They're all capital sins, but there is a hierarchy to them. Now, my Protestant friends would say, hey, once again, hey, there's no hierarchy. All sin is sin. And it's true. All sin is sin. All of these are deadly. You know, to my right. friends who would say, hey, uh, isn't all sin sin? You go, yes, all of these are deadly. All of these will separate you from God. But there is a hierarchy of seriousness to them because the greater right. ones. Because of their effects. Well, because of their effects, but also the greater ones lead to the lesser ones. So as we go down this list, think about this, that if pride is at the top, and we're going to do a whole episode here in a minute on pride and what it is, but if pride is at the top, it was the first sin, the sin of Satan. It was the sin of Adam and Eve when they tried, ate the fruit trying to be like gods themselves. Then, in a sense, what comes number two, three, four, five, six, seven on this list, flow downstream from those, or right, it okay. flows downstream. So because I reject God, I then, that causes, so right, what is that thing like the chocolate fountain or something or the champagne fountain where you have like right. these little things and the one thing trickles down? You've seen these, right? right? The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know. And so you got like the thing at the top and then it trickles to the second there's one. There's like, more and then like there's Like if you're a wedding or a banquet and those right, are right. like champagne fountains. Are so the one is trickling down to the other. And because it starts at the top with pride, right. then it trickles down to envy. Sure. And so on and so forth. And so as you go down this list, I want the listeners to pay attention to you, pay attention here, because I think people are going to be surprised what's number one, not only is number what's number one, but what number seven is and how it trickles down. And in a sense, number seven is the consequence of the six that come before it. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, I'm, so I'm reading off your list here. Number two is envy and the, um, the antidote to it is kindness. Okay. So 
pride, which leads to envy, right? And the antidote to pride is humility, and the antidote to envy is... Kindness. Kindness. Okay. okay. Uh, number three is wrath. Wrath. And patience. Patience is the antidote. Is the an antidote. Number four is sloth. And, and the... Um, I'm, I've cozied up to that one a number of times. Um, and the antidote is diligence, okay? Something I have actually begun praying for, uh, even before this. Uh, where was I, Sloth? Okay, greed. Number five is greed. And the antidote is liberality. Do the, um, the seven holy virtues don't line up with these, do they? No, we'll talk okay, about all that right, in a minute. All right, okay, okay. I'll, I'll stay away from that. Then uh, number six is gluttony. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the uh, abstinence is the antidote to that. That sounds hard. I've okay. Anyway, uh, and then lust, and the antidote to that is chastity. Right now, interesting. Pride is number one on this list, and lust is number seven. And as I said a minute ago, right, it's like the chocolate fountain or the champagne fountain at the wedding. Right, one flows down to the other. When you begin with pride, so think about Adam and Eve. We're going to talk about Satan who rejects God because of pride, but think about Adam and Eve. The serpent comes to them and says, you can be like gods. So they begin with pride. Yep. And then a cascade of events or a cascade or a sort of logical sequence begins. And where you end up at is lust. So it doesn't begin in lust. Okay. Right? And because we, we tend to think of the sexual sins, which are deadly sins. That's, right. This is not to minimize their significance, but it's, it's to recognize that it be, the, rooted in pride, there is this cascade. Rooted in pride, the dominoes fall okay. one by one. And now you asked a moment ago about the seven cardinal virtues. Right. So there was a list, and you know this list because you took the Dante class. I was going to say, this is where I first heard. heard and this. in the Dante class, he was work, Dante was working off this classical list of the seven cardinal virtues. And let's talk about why that list is a little different. So the list that you just read with the antidotes, that comes from Thomas Aquinas. Okay. And like I said, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, had this uh, way he explained the capital sins, the deadly capital sins. And he said, hey, let's think of this in terms of a toxin or a poison and an antidote, right? Mm-hmm. Or like we said, you could have the, the bad things in your house sure. or your garden and these are the, or you can think of the two magnets, the pole that pulls you this way and the pole. Sure. So he wanted to come up with a list where there was sort of this one-to-one equation, and that's how he treated it. And in the next seven episodes, we're going to work off Aquinas's list, because I think it's helpful for listeners to have that one-to-one, you know, pride is conquered by humility and so on and so forth. So there's this older list, goes back to the early church, of the seven cardinal virtues, which Which, are, yeah, go ahead. Which I learned about in in the Dante class, Mm -hmm. right? I have to go off the notes here because I would have had to struggle to come up with them. But prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice. Now, let's stop there. Those were called the classical virtues because they were all identified by the pre-Christian Greek philosophers. Okay. 
And someone says, well, why did those make it into Christianity, sure. right? Yep. Well, the reason is because these, the idea that the, the Christianity has always had is these are the things that are in our heart because of natural law. Yeah, okay. Right? So, yep. for example, you know, take one of those, uh, temperance or fortitude or justice right. or whatever. Those are things that we as human beings, based on what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, the things of God can be known or made manifest through, through nature, we can know and are accountable to do justice. We should be prudent and temperate. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you necessarily don't need divine revelation. So even if right. you are uh, someone who has not heard the gospel yet, right. you can be just or temperate or prudent, right? right. Or have for, you know, moral fortitude. Yeah. But then the last three are called the, 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 of the capital, of the cardinal virtues are the spiritual virtues, and they come directly from a list of Paul. So go right. ahead and read those. Uh, everybody knows these, faith, hope, and charity. Right. Because Paul says the greatest of these, he's listing virtues right. in his letters, and he says, and the greatest of these are faith, hope, and charity. So those got added to the four classical. So the idea was that there are these four things that all humans should be able to do right. if they choose to do the good. Right. And then there are three that only come through the grace of the gospel, and that is faith, hope, and charity. And those seven, the four classical and the four spiritual, compose the cardinal virtues. And that's still a helpful list, and it's the list that Dante uses, because as you recall, when you get into uh, Dante's Purgatorio yep. and Paradiso, basically the levels in Purgatorio combine or correspond to these, right. so people work through them uh, and right, try right. to improve themselves in these areas. Yeah, I loved that. Uh, by the way, I, uh, just as an aside, I love the word charity as opposed to love. Because the word love has just gotten all messed up. Yeah. Uh, charity is a much better, especially in like in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, if I have not charity. Right. It's a much, when I, when I ask God to give me faith, hope, and charity, charity, I assume is, uh, I, I think I always of um, being charitable towards somebody, not charity like giving money at, uh, at Christmas to the Salvation Army, but being charitable towards somebody. It's well, wonderful. It, it, right, and it's rooted, you know, C.S. Lewis, Lewis classically wrote a book called The Four Loves. He talks about the four different Greek words for love that get used in the New Testament. We translate them all love, but the Greek New Testament right. makes differentiations. And the thing about charity and the reason why it's used in Catholicism and always has been as one of the kinds of love. Is it as an action or yes. an orientation toward it? Yeah. So if we modern and modern people think of love as a feeling, I love, I right. feel, but to be charitable to somebody is right. to actually take action. And, that, right. and we don't, when we get into this uh, in a few weeks, we'll talk about, or in a few episodes, we'll talk about what exactly that is. Yep. It doesn't always mean giving money to them. But to be charitable to them is to do things for their right. good, to for do good. something, yes. right? So, yep. you know, uh, to, to help improve or to uh, reach out to somebody or work for their good. Right. And so, to, so charity is a great thing. Ha- stopping, stopping to help somebody change their flat tire. It's a charitable act. Yeah. yeah, yeah we'll, kind of we'll, we'll, give, we'll give more. I mean, honestly, anything that I do that I hope contributes to your betterment right. or contributes to you growing in any way right. uh, is, is charity. So this is what we're going to do in the next seven episodes, 
is we're going to work through St. Thomas Aquinas's scheme yep. whereby he listed the seven yep. capital sins and corresponded each of them with the accompanying antidote, mm-hmm. the virtue that uh, helps us overcome that. And we'll unpack them one by one. I am looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Okay, so let's launch in with number one, which is? Pride. Pride. Yeah. All right. Join us, dear listeners, for the next seven episodes, and we will march through the list of capital sins and their corresponding virtues. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.